Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Wednesday Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. Doug Nathan and Steven. A couple things to talk about. We want to dive into the defensive line a little bit more uh, later in this pod, but actually a couple things off the top. We want to talk about Kerry Combs going to Cincinnati, basically a coach swap there, what that means for Ohio State recruiting, and specifically we have some information about A.J. Harris, uh, 2023 top 50 cornerback that Combs had been recruiting for Ohio State, and now he certainly will be recruiting for Cincinnati. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Tony Alford getting a Promotion, run game coordinator, and um, we want to talk a little about Dewan Jones also being back, staying at Ohio State. It's always one of those. There was a, a former sports writer who always took umbrage with the idea of a player returning to school when it was like, well, he never left. He's staying. He's not returning. He didn't go anywhere. He's just staying. Dewan Jones is staying at Ohio State, which is very good for the Ohio State offensive line. And then we'll get into sort of the future of the Ohio State defensive line, Larry Johnson how things look for next year, et cetera. Let's start with this A.J. harris Kerry Combs situation. Nathan, first of all, this swap. It's basically a Perry Eliano for Kerry Combs trade. Kerry Combs hired by Cincinnati on Tuesday into the role that Perry Eliano vacated when he took the Ohio State job. Eliano was the cornerback's coach at Cincinnati. He's going to be the safeties coach at Ohio State. Kerry Combs obviously was a defensive coordinator at Ohio State. He's going to be the cornerbacks coach and special teams coordinator at Cincinnati. It made too much sense when it happened. It's like, oh, I wonder where Kerry Combs, what's going to happen with Kerry Combs? It's like, oh, there's a job opening in his hometown. And sometimes things that make too much sense then just actually happen. But what does this mean for Ohio State? Because Kerry Combs is good at recruiting, and now he's going to be recruiting for somebody two hours away. Is this possibly something that Ohio State will have to think about? Yeah, it was something that I said on the podcast as we were having that discussion um, about all the changes last week was that, you know, the difference between the 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 assistants who've proven themselves to be essential and the ones who haven't. Kerry Combs has been an essential recruiter for this program in both of the stints he was here and that these guys coming in were going to have to fill those shoes. And now I, I think it is interesting that it's going to be, uh, I, I said that without even thinking about the proposition of it being the head-to-head competition that they're going to have. So I think there's already 
when you lose a, a, a staffer of Kerry Combs's caliber from a recruiting standpoint, there's you're already a little bit on notice. You're already, there should be a sense of urgency that you've got to sort of pick up the baton where he uh, dropped it on his way out the door and you've got to go keep that same level. But there is going to be a head-to-head competition here. And what Cincinnati is now is not what Cincinnati was when he left there the first time in 2012. Like this is a different enterprise now and a, a, a program that has more real respect and I don't think it's on a player by player basis. Uh, Ohio state is, is still going to have the edge obviously, but I think you're probably going to see at some point in the future, a player pick Cincinnati over Ohio state because of Kerry Combs. So Cincinnati is joining the big 12 and they'll be in the big 12, no later than 2024. I guess they might be in the big 12 in 2023, but they can already start selling to recruits like, Hey, you're going to be in a power five conference. And then we can debate, well, a big 12 that doesn't include Texas and Oklahoma. Although Cincinnati's the plan is for Cincinnati to be in there at least for a couple of years with, with Texas and Oklahoma. How would the big 12 really stack up? But bottom line is they're moving to what at the moment is still a power conference. They are coming off the playoff. They're coming off a scenario where they had arguably the best defensive backfield in the country. And now they're hiring one of the very best defensive back coaches in the country and one of the best defensive back recruiters. Steven, could we realistically imagine a world where there's a a cornerback prospect in Ohio who's a top 100 player or a top 100 cornerback prospect in Indiana or Kentucky or Illinois or Tennessee or Georgia? who would pick Cincinnati over Ohio state head to head. And we have an example of it happening right away in the class of 2023 with AJ Harris, who's from Alabama, but that's built partly because he already has a relationship with Combs, Mm -hmm. but Luke fickle. I mean, the idea that like, Hey, Ohio state, how's it going? It's like Ohio state's in great shape, but also they're now recruiting against Luke fickle. Kerry Combs and then at Notre Dame, Marcus Freeman and now Washington is a little is a little interesting. Could a kid pick Cincinnati, Stephen, realistically? Yeah, I think so. Right now, the 2023 class is Ohio's not heavy on skill position guys like it's been the last two cycles. So I don't think it's going to be an issue right now to just focus on the Ohio part of it. But I do think the one person that comes to mind through all this is like, you know, Jair Brown, who is. Who spent? Who was from Ohio, but spent most of his life in Louisiana, but moved back to Cincinnati for his last years of high school. That kid's probably a Cincinnati a football player right now. If Kerry Combs had been at Cincinnati the last two years, I can because that relationship—that's all Kerry Combs' relationship, along with him happening to be from Ohio. But if Kerry, let's just say Kerry was at Cincinnati the last two years, Jair Brown's probably at Ohio at Cincinnati instead of Ohio state. That's a, the number one fifty five player in the country and a number 18 cornerback in the 2022 class. So that's a, I understand like Ohio state's trying to go get five-star corners all the time. But if you, if you get enough of those Jair Browns, you start building up a pretty good rapport for yourself at Cincinnati, especially now that they're going to be a power five school. So to start with the Ohio part of it, I think whoever the next Jair Brown is as a cornerback out of Ohio it's going to be interesting to see if he ends up picking Cincinnati over Ohio State because I think that's a realistic thing that can happen. Because, But the thing that has to happen is Cincinnati has to be able to tell these recruits that they are on 
basically the same level yeah. as Ohio State because Kerry Combs was not recruiting five-star cornerbacks when he was at Cincinnati the first time around, right? Thad Mata, when he was at Xavier, was recruiting, started to recruit Mike Conley Jr. and Greg Oden, but he knew he wasn't going to get them because Greg Oden wasn't going to Xavier. But once Thad Mata went to Ohio State, it's like now you're you at a place that is as good as any other place. So relationships matter, but there's a threshold. And that's the thing, Nathan, that is interesting about Cincinnati is the Cincinnati threshold. But when you add in Big 12 plus playoff plus fickle staying, plus the reputation, that the, the fact, again, that it's like they, they built their reputation on corners and then it's, we're not saying that Perry Eliano is not great at his job, but they're, they certainly, you know, if Perry Eliano coached these corners like, like crazy and got them to play at this level, Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant, I don't think Cincinnati thinks they're taking a, a step down with Kerry Combs, right? That at least Kerry Combs will try to continue what Perry Eliano was doing there. Have they reached the threshold, Nathan, especially as it relates to corners? Because Kerry's going to go try to recruit everybody, right? But especially with corners, could, could you make a case to a top 100 corner that Cincinnati's a better place for you, man? Ohio State's great, but, but Cincinnati's going to give you everything you want, and we're just as good and maybe better in this area. Sure. I mean, it's no guarantee right now that Ohio State, from a position coach standpoint, is better with the guys it has than it was if Kerry Combs had been on staff, right? Like that's something that has to be proven by Perry Ariellano and Tim Walton as they go forward. I'm really struggling with the name Perry Eliano. It is killing me. I can't say it. It's like a Marvison Harrison thing. I keep saying Perry Ariano. Oh yeah. 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 You just call him Perry. Just ask him. He's probably okay. Just with Perry. Perry. We might have, might have to Perry Perry, you know? Yeah. Perry Eliano. Uh, I mean, but listen, when, when, when Kerry Combs goes into Florida has gone into Florida and Georgia and beaten out those programs for top 100 guys and five-star guys. We didn't bat an eye like, yeah, that's, that's what Kerry Combs does. He just goes in and gets those guys. And I'm not saying that Cincinnati has equated itself to Ohio state. You can't just go by the past year. You do have to go by the broader spectrum of college football, but it's, it's not tiers below Ohio state now, like they have brought themselves up. And especially now that they're going to be a power five program, as you guys have already said, I just feel like at some point we're going to be doing a podcast about how player X picked Cincinnati over Ohio state because of Kerry Combs. I think that just seems like inevitable. That's almost like a, I don't know what the betting odds on that would be like one to three. It's going to happen. Now, the other thing is we've never seen Perry Eliano recruit to Ohio state. That Perry Eliano is out there building relationships, doing his thing, trying to get somebody to come to Cincinnati or trying to get somebody to go to Bowling Green, right? It's, it's a different world. So Perry Eliano, who we will learn much more about as a recruiter, same with Tim Walton, you now have the power of Ohio State behind you. So that is, that is something that Kerry Combs blossomed in to Kerry Combs at Ohio State. Certainly, Walton and Aliano may do the same now. And, and I'm not saying that I don't think that will happen. I'm just saying that that's a thing that they have to prove right now because of what Kerry Combs has done throughout his career. There was an article in The Athletic, because I want to go back to something you said last week about Perry Aliano and just about being kind of a grinder. There was an article that The Athletic did about Cincinnati's recruiting. 
And he wasn't the one he was quoted in the article, but he wasn't the one who told this story. There was somebody else on staff telling a story about being at a high school and he showed up in the the with the Cincinnati a jacket with the Cincinnati logo, which is like the C and the claw. And somebody he met some student or worker in the parking lot and they were like, hey, do you work for Chick-fil-A? And he was like, oh, man, like we we got some work to do here. And you don't have that problem at Ohio State. It's a universal brand that everybody knows. It, it permeates beyond college football. So I think I'm, I'm intrigued now by what someone like Perry Eliano with what he's done these last couple of years and the grind he's had to go f- along over the years, um, going at this the hard way at every level, what he can do at a place like Ohio State. I'm intrigued by that. But as it stands right now, you're talking about just swap of position coach um, knowledge and uh, proven ability to develop guys and proven ability to recruit guys at a high level, certainly. Kerry Combs is still like almost the standard across college football. So I think two things there, there are two things that maybe there's three, maybe there's just one. All right. I'm trying to think. So here's, here's the thing where I think it could matter. The idea that, and this is the case with Ohio state all the time, that whenever Ohio state goes national, you risk somebody raiding your backyard a little bit more. It doesn't mean Ohio State should stop recruiting California and Texas and Georgia and Louisiana and Florida because they're worried about someone coming into Ohio. You've got to go do that. But Cincinnati, Ohio State, I think, is going to have to be make sure they're in early on the Ohio guys. There's a little bit. It's not that there's a there's not a fox in your hen house. There's a bear cat in your hen house. So I don't know if a bear cat is more ravenous and savage than a fox. Like, who would eat chickens faster, a fox or a bear cat? I don't know. I don't even know what a bear cat is, Frank. Is a bear cat an actual, is, is it a mythical creature? Like, if you just decided that your name of, the, of your team was like the rhino cows, it's like, we're the rhino cows. It's like, is a rhino? Oh, cow oh, I guess it's it a is very, a real thing. It's an ugly looking animal. That was, yeah, okay. that was, now, yeah. Now I'm sure there's Cincinnati fans who are like, how dare you? We're just, we're just animal stupid. We're, it, Sorry. It's, not, it's not, nothing offensive. Yeah, this isn't. We, we haven't had Jungle Jack Hanna on the pod in a while. I would love, I, I know Jungle Jack Hanna is dealing with some health issues. I would love to have somebody from the zoo come on sometime. Ooh, Ooh that's going to be good. Oh, no, no, no. We should have a zoo person on. I love the zoo. Okay. So you've got to get in. Cause Steven, how about like the idea of this, that like the next CJ Hicks, if like Cincinnati is just like on a guy like that, from the time between like the, the summer after his freshman year of high school. And they are just like in on that guy. And especially if maybe it's a kid who like at that point, eh, maybe he's not a five-star for sure, but he's like a three and a half star. And Cincinnati's like, and Cincinnati's like, we'd take him right now. And Ohio state's like, we like him, but we want you to come to camp a couple more times. And Cincinnati's like, we love every part of you right now. And Cincinnati is, is in early. That happens a lot. And then the big school comes in and is like, okay, maybe we weren't here quite as early because we were also checking on kids in Georgia, Louisiana, Florida, Texas, California, but we're here now. Let's go. And most of the time, the kids are like, yeah, 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 I'm going there. I'm going to the big school. But Cincinnati, no matter what they do, is not going to recruit to the level nationally that Ohio State does, not consistently. But, but could they do that? And then when that kid reaches the point where, well, Cincinnati's been here from this jump, Ohio State got in a little bit later, and now it's time to make a choice. And they're both power five teams that I think I can 
get to the playoff by playing for Steven. That, that is, and then especially if Kerry Combs and Luke Fickle are guys who have really worked Ohio for a long time and had a, have a lot of relationships there. I, I would maybe wonder about a situation like that. I want to tweak something you said at the beginning where you said Ohio State's got to get in early on these Ohio guys. They already do that. They have to make sure they don't leave too early. And to the point of mm-hmm. like what happens when, because Drew Aller, when they first started talking to him, wasn't a five-star recruit, top 50 recruit in the country. He was a 300s kid, which is exactly why they went on and got Quinn Ewers. But now, look, what, what is he now? He's the number 27 player, the number four quarterback in the country, and you know one of the best quarterbacks in the country. That's what, and that's quarterback. That's a different situation because Ryan Day is your head coach. And so you're going to go get the best quarterback you can every time. But for guys like CJ Hicks and for some of these other guys that maybe slow play their development a little bit, Brian Hartline kind of does this at wide receiver, whether it's a guy in his backyard or nationally. The Jackson Smith, the Jigba plan of like, they got it on Jackson Smith, the Jigba when he was a three star. And now look what he is. They've got to apply that to all the Ohio kids now. And not because they don't have spring football, you've got to be a little bit more patient and go, Okay, right now at 14, he doesn't really look the part. And there's no reason to think he will look the part. But let's stay here and let's build this build this relationship with this kid. Because then when he's 17, he might look like a guy who's a three-and-done football player, which is exactly what C.J. Hicks is. And so that's the key here is Cincinnati has to get in early anyway because they've been the little brothers. So you have to get in early on these three stars. And if they end up being top 100 recruits, then you just, you know, you found yourself a hidden gym. Ohio State's got to do that a little bit more with these Ohio kids and make sure that, you know, whoever the next Drew Aller is or CJ Hicks is doesn't come back to bite you in the butt. But to the point about Drew Aller, Penn State then got in on Drew Aller. And then when Ohio State came back to Drew Aller, Drew Aller was like, no, I'm good. Yep. So because Penn State, locked him down and built the relationship that it did. And Penn state is at such a level. That's mm-hmm. a, that's a really good comparison. Is Penn state as good of a football program as Ohio state? No, it is not, but it's very good. And when they were in there and locked the guy down, they're good enough to hold on to him. When Ohio state came back, if Cincinnati can get to that level, that's a big ask, right? Oh, what's Cincinnati have to do? Well, Cincinnati doesn't have to be Ohio state. They just have to be Penn State. It's like, what are you talking about? That's Penn State. But it's not completely far-fetched, I don't think, right, no. in the Big 12. And we think we think Cincinnati's recruiting will elevate in the Big 12. Kerry Combs will elevate Cincinnati's recruiting. How much will they elevate? But that's exactly what we're talking about. Ohio State's early, not our guy. Penn State comes in, lock them down. Ohio State comes back, you can't get in anymore. Maybe Cincinnati can do that with one kid a cycle, two kids a cycle within the 300 mile radius of Columbus. And that would impact Ohio state at least a little bit. Go ahead, Dave. Yeah. As much as I say, you can't judge anything based on just one year. Cincinnati's now been to a playoff and Penn state never has. And Cincinnati's been, you know, was in a, a, a big bowl last year and Penn state was nowhere to be found under weird circumstances. So again, like they're trending in a, a very Penn state direction right now. I think you would, you'd have to say, or they're trending back towards each other, wherever that is on the spectrum. Well, what I was going to say, kind of building off of, your earlier points that I, I almost wonder if the impact will be almost an unseen one. Uh, I was thinking like someone like Mayan Williams um, in the future, like maybe that kind of player is committing to Cincinnati. And then when Ohio state needs to fill it needs to fill a need that came open late or a need that never got filled. Some of those guys in Ohio that they used to rely on always being there and being able to pry them away. They'll get some still because Ohio state's still Ohio state, but with Cincinnati, with, 
Combs posting up at Cincinnati with Notre Dame making some incursions into the Ohio's brand in, in Ohio. Um, I think some of those guys will maybe be there, won't be there when Ohio State goes to try to grab them late in the process. Because Iowa State had Mayan Williams, right. but had not reached the threshold where they could keep Mayan Williams when Ohio State came knocking at the end. So can Cincinnati, gonna... Cincinnati be better than Iowa State for kids in Ohio? Yes, Cincinnati sure. can, for sure. Yeah, and, and that's even that's not even the perfect analogy because you're talking about more distance and stuff there. When you start talking about Notre Dame and Cincinnati and they're right there for any kid who's from Ohio, I, I think that's that changes the equation a little bit too. So let's get specific on A.J. Harris. We're recording this Tuesday afternoon. Steven, you just talked with A.J. Harris. Again, remind the people who he is and then give us some specifics on how this actual move, Kerry Combs to Cincinnati, might affect Harris. Yeah, A.J. Harris, five-star cornerback who lives in Phoenix City, Alabama. But the key thing to remember, he's not from SEC country. He's from California. His dad was just, you know, uh, military, so they moved around a lot. And by the time he retired, they just settled down in Alabama. So that him being from Alabama means absolutely nothing. Number 18 player, the number three cornerback in the country. And I've long believed that as long as Kerry Combs is at Ohio State, Ohio State was in the lead for this cornerback. 100%. And after the conversation I had this morning, I'm even more validated in that thinking and feeling that had this year gone the way everybody had hoped it had gone, then AJ Harris probably would have committed to Ohio State on January 11th when he originally set a date because it was his birthday and he was really looking forward to that. And he very much hates the recruiting process. And I know a lot of kids say that, but he literally hates doing this. He'd rather lock in with a school and be done with the situation. I remember the first time I talked with him, his quote, he said his dad once said, right now you have a bunch of girlfriends and you need to find a wife as quickly as possible or something like that, which is a really, that's to the point of every kid's not like that. He really hates the spotlight, but right now it's on him because of the whole Kerry Combs situation. So here's the deal. Kerry Combs is no longer here. So any lead you think Ohio State had does not exist anymore. The good thing is nobody has a lead right now because he's kind of messed up that that this Kerry Combs thing very much is messed up where his mindset is and how he's thinking about approaching a lot of this stuff. Kerry went to go visit him back in December before signing day with an in-home visit. And he didn't outright say, I'm not coming back to Ohio state, but the way he was talking, they said it was cryptic enough for them to feel like, yeah, this kid's, this guy's not going to be back at Ohio state this year. So we need to rethink some things here and there. And so what this boils down to is uh, Tim Walton and Perry Eliano have already reached out. Jim Knowles has not. There isn't really an expectation that he will. So that idea of he's here to scheme, he's not here to be a recruiter and do all that stuff, that kind of confirms that. This is going to be Tim Walton and Perry Eliano, you know, recruiting the defensive backs and Jim Knowles is just going to be here to, you know, design schemes and all that other stuff. But the other two have already reached out and established a relationship. Perry Eliano had a small relationship with him from his days at Cincinnati, even if they never offered him. And a lot of the reason they never offered him is, well, you're not expecting that you can get a five-star cornerback at SEC country. That's a logical thing to do, which they poked fun at. So that relationship has already started. And this is going to boil down to, how quickly can they build a rapport with AJ and kind of write the ship here and make him feel comfortable? Cause and if they can do that, then I think Ohio state has as good a chance as anybody, whether it's Georgia or Clemson or Notre Dame or Alabama at landing this kid or Cincinnati or, or, and that's in there. There we go. There is the extra part of this carry. He right now, he doesn't have a Cincinnati offer yet, but I would expect that to be coming. Cause Kerry Combs is there. Kerry Combs has not stopped recruiting him. They talk as often as they did when he was at Ohio State. That relationship still exists, which is why when he tweeted this afternoon, 
uh, Tuesday afternoon that Cincinnati is one of my top schools now. That's not him just tweeting that for the sake of likes and retweets. That's real because of that relationship with Kerry Combs. Now, is that enough to get Cincinnati over the top there? We'll see because there still is as much as Cincinnati is going to be a power five school and all that stuff. Yes. But there still right now is a gap between what they are and what the Ohio States and the Alabamas and the Georgias and the other schools who are recruiting them are. So can, is the Kerry Combs factor enough to overcome that to where this kid's ends up in Ohio, but it's Southern Ohio. I mean, it's, it's the example. It's like, we were wondering about it, whatever we're wondering about, mm-hmm. we've got it right now. And it's, but isn't it a little weird? It's like, well, Kerry Combs was here recruiting AJ Harris on behalf of Ohio state. But it kind of felt like he wasn't going to be at Ohio State anymore. Now he's not at Ohio State. Ohio State's recruiting with somebody else, and Kerry Combs is recruiting at another school. It's like, why did Ohio State send him there to do it? Why would Ryan like Ryan Day knew they knew we knew they all knew yeah. that he wasn't coming back? Why? But I guess if it was like, oh, Kerry Combs stopped recruiting AJ Harris, it would have been like, oh, Kerry Combs isn't coming back. But it's just weird, Nathan. It's weird. That oh, was that- it. That's weird. I thought that was the most interesting part of the the text that Steven sent out before we re- recruited or before we started podcasting was just that uh, the the vibe that Harris got from Kerry Combs when he was making those visits. And it, it seemed weird to us at the time that um, Greg Studrawa and Kerry Combs, it's sort of just the nature of the beast, though. Like you you can't not recruit those positions while you're while your staff is in purgatory but then what is actually happening out there? I mean, Ohio State's trying to go out, was trying to get, um, um, was it Miles, uh, uh, Frazier, Miles the, Frazier, the, yep. the offensive lineman from um, out of Florida who was a, a transfer and ended up going to LSU. I mean, they're trying to lock him down. They're sending Greg Strudrava there. They're trying to lock someone like A.J. Harris down or at least build a, you know, entice him to come here, get that relationship development. They got to send another lame duck coach there. I, I it would, even if you think that this is the right move in the long term for this staff, this was a pretty crucial couple of weeks um, to have. Now you have some ground to make up in some pretty crucial relationships. It's weird because they're asking these recruits were asking those questions. And I'm pretty sure I asked Brian, they flat out are recruits asking what's going on with the staff. He said, yeah, they're asking, but he, but he was like, yeah, but we're not giving them the answer. Is basically what yeah. he was saying. They ha- they're asking, but you kind of have to answer qu- that question the same way you would answer the question at a press conference, where you give an answer without actually giving an answer. That's what makes this weird. Yeah, I mean, it's what I mean. This is when a coach is leaving. There's no perfect way to do it, and the players yeah. get caught in between all the time. So it's nothing new, but it's just interesting. What makes this all this stuff would be true. It's just now that Kerry Combs is right down the road recruiting against Ohio State. That's that's the different thing. If like coaches move, coaches move around. I get it, but it's like when Al Washington and Greg Madison were trying to get Zach Harrison to go to Michigan, and then like two months later, Greg Madison and Al Washington are at Ohio State. It's like okay, cool. So I mean, like again, it's not it's not like it never happens. What was the there was a. I think Keith Byers said there were Dom Capers in the book. Dom Capers was recruiting Keith Byers when Dom Capers was at another school at Tennessee. Dom Capers, who then went on and was like in the NFL for all those years, Mm. was recruiting Keith Byers when he was at Tennessee. And like Keith Byers was like, my family loved Dom Capers, but it was like, I was going to go to Ohio state. And then like Keith Byers was like, I showed up at Ohio state like three weeks later, like Dom Capers is walking down the hall. I was like, hey, Coach Capers. And it's like, Tom Capers got a job at Ohio State. So this stuff happens all the time. But when it goes 
the idea that Kerry Combs is now head to head at a different Ohio school. We're going to have to talk about this more. We've talked about it some in the past. As soon as the, the announcement came out of Cincinnati, the big 12, this, this is a different deal. Ohio state has never had a power conference school in its state before. And if Cincinnati can rise to the level of like Michigan state or even like Pitt to Penn state, right. Or Michigan state to Michigan or whatever. It's like, it's unusual to own a state by yourself. Right. Cincinnati's always been there, but it's never been a question. If it's a question, even for 20% of the recruits now, that's just a different world. It's not the end of the world, just a different world. All right. Quick break. We'll come back. We've got to talk about uh, Dewan Jones and Tony Alford, then dig in a little more on the defensive line and now Washington next on Buckeye Talk. 614-350-3315, where you get the info in the text. You guys are listening to this on Wednesday. Steve, the stuff we're talking about, Stephen texted out to the text subscribers early Tuesday afternoon. So we get it to you on the podcast, but we get it to you instantaneously on the text subscriber service, 614-350-3315. Dewan Jones being back, Nathan, not being back. Dewan Jones staying, not leaving. Biggest draft decision for Ohio State, just based on everything. Like even, could we, is it even bigger than Zach Harris? That they have this guy back and now we can say their tackles next year, whoever's left and whoever's right, their starting tackles are Paris Johnson Jr. and Dewan Jones and they're good to go. And if Dewan's Jones, Dewan Jones was gone, we'd be like, we have no idea who the other tackle is. How big is this? I think it is bigger than Zach Harrison. Uh, well, he is bigger than Zach Harrison, but the decision is bigger than Zach Harrison because I know who would get defensive end snaps next year for Ohio State if Zach Harrison didn't come back. I don't know who would start at right tackle for sure next year for Ohio State if Dewan Jones didn't come back. And now I think between him and Paris Johnson Jr. moving to left tackle, you've given yourself the this very reliable and um, not proven yet, I guess, in Paris Johnson Jr.'s case, although he had a, a pretty strong year at guard, and I think he'll be even better at left tackle. So you've, you've given yourself real stability on the outside now to figure out this situation within that. Cause you've got, obviously, as we've talked about before, you know, four candidates for three spots inside and how do you make that work? Can it work better than it did last year? Because all those guys are more natural interior guys. But I, I think it's, uh, it's, it's big for Ohio state because I think Dewan Jones legitimately was good this year and legitimately can get better. And I think that's the crucial thing that I, and I think he thought that too. I think, I think he, went into the Michigan game feeling like he had achieved something. And then I think got his butt kicked in the Michigan game and thought I need to be better. I need to be better mentally. I need to be better physically. I think there's, there is a, I don't think he's plateaued yet. I think he can do things physically next year after having a year of setting this sort of foundation for himself. Uh, He has something to push off of and be even better in 2022. It's a nice little legacy for stud what goes on with dewan jones because again we've talked about it but i'll just always remember talking to greg sudrawa at the fiesta bowl semifinal with clemson at the end of the 2019 season it's like hey what's the deal with dewan jones if it hits he's like first round pick like what so like if that happens again for for all the things that the reasons that greg sudrawa is not here anymore um if that guy what he's already done 
with where he was and that he wanted to be a basketball player. Nathan, you wrote about it. All the things we know about Dewan Jones. Raw, really good athlete. His heart's in basketball. His future's in football. Here we are. That he, are, that he became a starter and a good starter at Ohio State is already a success story. But considering what might be out there um, and just where they would have been elsewhere, who's their third tackle next year? Like their third tackle is Josh Fryer? Yeah, yeah Fryer. So, I mean, like, it's it's fine. It's fine. But it's just gigantic. I mean, it's gigantic um, to have Dewan Jones back. Unless they thought Donovan Jackson could play right tackle. He's not. Nah. He's got really long arms, but he's short. He is a guard to the T. Yeah, they need. They usually want their tackles to be like 6'6". Six, six. Thayer, Thayer, was, but... Thayer wasn't that tall. Um, I don't think uh, – yeah. I'm just I saying, mean, as you're putting together your best five guys to make an offensive line. I mean, you're not wrong. This is the same team who just had four tackles out there this year. So No, like, no, but you, I, I just think uh, as awkward as it can be to move a gigantic tackle to guard, I think, some, I think if you move a guard to tackle, like you just might have a guy who's just going to get beat. Every time and he's just- and he is not the guard I would put that on. I don't like I, if there was one. I don't know if Donald Jackson would be the first one I would think of there. Like I might go like Enoch just because he can move a little bit, but no. Yeah, no, but I mean, the Dewan being back it pieces together the line pretty yeah. well because everybody can be where they need to be. And as we've run over it, you know, they're going to wind up with two guys who are natural tackles as the starting tackles, and then four pretty darn good options inside for the three interior spots. And they'll be good to go. Let's talk about the fact that everybody on the offense now has a title. Tony Alford announced on Tuesday, a promotion to run game coordinator that pairs with Brian Hartline and his previous promotion to pass game coordinator. There was a brief little thing where somebody's report at some point about Justin Fry coming from UCLA to be the offensive line coach, I think had run game coordinator, maybe floated in there. He winds up as assistant head coach, but not a more offense associate head coach, associate head coach. So I guess it's just a way to get everybody raises. I don't know. I mean, it's whatever. It's fine. But I do like this better because I think you can get yourself in trouble. How do I say this? I don't, I don't think you can – I don't love hiring from in-house necessarily because I think you've got to cast a wide net. But I think giving a title like this to a guy who's been around and has proven how valuable he is, it makes more sense and it's more deserved and it's the right thing to do to give run game coordinator to Tony Alford instead of Justin Fry is the thing in the end. And we can say, well, it doesn't matter except – it does matter. Tony Alford tweeted about it. Tony Alford's excited about it. So if it matters to people, I think you would have, you would open yourself up for hurt, not even hurt feelings, but just like, you know, unnecessary kind of, eh, if you would have brought in a guy who's just getting here and given him a run game coordinator title and Tony Alford sitting there being like, what do I have to do to get a title? Well, but he was already the assistant head coach for offense. So which does so who does the does the run game coordinator yes uh, um yes is better is better okay I was gonna say who who which Tony Alford reports to the other Tony Alford <laughs> in that stack up of titles Tony Alford's I, gonna write the uh, <laughs> he's gonna write the review for Tony Alford 
I, I'm being no, a little facetious, but no, no you're you right. Are, but the, it matters you do to have them. To balance. It, it does. And there are office politics, for lack of a better way of saying it, right? Like everybody has it. I've tried to make that analogy before to people to just say like, hey, th- there's some version of this that is playing out at whatever job you have. It's the same thing there, the titles and, and everything and who gets a raise and who doesn't and who met their marks this year and who didn't. And Ohio State football has the same thing. Every college football team has the same thing. And they just get there's just is a little bit more public. But I think Tony Alford earned it, too. Like, I do think like 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 Tony Alford earned this and, and it's the right thing to do. So, again, to run through all the titles, Brian Hartline, pass game coordinator, Tony Alford, run game coordinator, Kevin Wilson, offensive coordinator. Justin Fry, who's the offensive line coach, is associate head coach, and that means the only guy on the offensive staff who doesn't have an extra title is Corey Dennis at this point. And then, of course, it's Ryan Day, who's the head coach, who actually runs the offense. So that's a lot of whatever. I want to say real quick, as it pertains to Tony Offord, he came here, I believe, in 2016 as the assistant head coach. I think he had that title when he came here. I think he's been running backs coach and that title since he got here, or at least or shortly after he got here. So it's been a while since he had any kind of a title bump and there really was nowhere else to go unless you're making him the offensive coordinator. So it was probably, again, having done the job he did the last couple of years, getting the run game going again, he probably was deserving of, of something like this. As you're the, saying, the thing that I'm most interested in again, is it, does it adjust or change or increase any actual responsibilities? And I Bet that when we ask Ryan Day that he'll say no. He's going to oh. say it's always been collaborative and it'll continue. Well, to be collaborative. I, I think that's I what he'll say. What he I think it. I, he's going to still call plays next year, so that's that's that part. But I do think the weekly game planning part of it, he'll. St- I think this is an opportunity for him to start to take his hands off a little bit, not completely. But like allow Brian Hartline, Kevin Wilson, and and Tony Offer to handle more of like the weekly game plan stuff. Even if on Saturdays he's still the one who gets to call the actual play, which would make sense. And we've talked yeah. a lot about Ryan Day maybe divvying up the responsibilities a little bit more to let him do more head coach stuff. But he hasn't said that yet. So like you can say, oh, well he might like. Why would he not say it, but then do it? Like if he's actually, I mean, because like you are, if you're empowering your assistants, don't you want to tell people you're empowering your assistants? If it's like, Ryan, what does it mean that Tony and Brian now have these titles? Will they be any more involved or have any more responsibilities in the offensive game plan that they did in the past? Why would Ryan Day say no when the answer is actually yes? I don't think he would say no if the answer is actually yes. I just don't know if the answer is actually yes. He may say answer. He may say yes if the answer is no. That I think might be true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So like, but I'll be curious. I think it should, but I don't know that it will. We can't, we can't assume anything until we talk to these guys, but I think he should back off some and And, give some. Yeah. But also I think I'm intrigued by it, but also like now that you've given four different guys a title, like how much is there for each of those guys to do in a given week? to game plan like how many people do you really want involved in like a managerial way in that process i don't know how that works unless now that you know their their, their analyst staff is is growing on the defensive side uh, it seems and it just other off-field guys so maybe there is enough brain power that's coming from different places that it can filter up and um be funneled in a certain way through these various kind of mid-manager title t- sort of things 
Um, I, I hope that they open that up a little bit. I mean, I hope they open it up to us, to me. I hope they open it up to me. I hope they tell me, hey, come write the story about how we're going to do this issue. I think it'd be interesting. I think fans would be interested in knowing that these aren't just um, superfluous cosmetic titles, that the Ohio State really has a design here that they've come up with that better that they think better comes up with the game plan they're going to use every Saturday. It would be interesting if the if the new way it works is on offense – Everybody has individual responsibilities. They all come together. They have more influence and power and things they have to do. And then they bring it to Ryan Day. That increases the collaboration. And on defense, Jim Knowles locks himself in a room for 48 hours (laughs) and doesn't talk to anybody and comes out and says, this is what we're running this week. Everybody says, okay. So uh, I will be. (laughs) And Jim Knowles is like, who'd you guys recruit? Perry, did you recruit anybody? (laughs) That's their staff meeting. It's Jim going, okay, we're going to blitz a lot this week because we're playing Notre Dame. Perry, <laughs> who'd, you talk, who'd you call this week? Yeah, I have I, no uh, idea who that is, but he sounds like he's good. We're going to blitz. I, I texted about talking to one of Jim Knowles' former players from Duke last week, and I had I mentioned something about that kind of late in the call about how he has this like mad scientist thing about locking himself in his room, and the guy's like, you know what? Yeah, come to think of it, like we just never saw that guy during the week like he just yeah. never was like around like walking around hanging out chumming around um that so i think there is it was something that didn't just happen at oklahoma state so basically in like october whenever we get a defensive captain especially a linebacker we should just go hey cody when's the last time you saw jim in person but if he's gonna coach linebackers i don't know like what does that even i don't know i don't know what that means um yeah i i do I, we are all are we all agreed that uh, Jim Knowles impersonation is like some sort of version of like a, a old West sheriff crossed yes. with a drill sergeant? Yes. Who's this guy? Who's this guy over here? Uh, that's Mark Pantone. He's in charge of recruiting. All right. I don't know who that guy is. Perry. I like you. <laughs> <laughs> Perry, who'd you recruit today? Perry Eliano was like, uh, Jim, I, I called 36 prospects today and also coached my position group. And yeah. And Jim Knowles is like, we're going to blitz through the A-gap. Um, it might it's probably work. not a coincidence. Probably not a coincidence, by the way, that Jim Knowles, all they, they're, all these guys that you've heard about, the, I think there's three guys now uh, that they've they're bringing in as in off field capacities. These are all guys Jim Knowles has ties oh, to. Yeah. Oh I, yeah. I was asking. I don't. Does, I'm curious if Paul Rhodes is back. I don't know that yet. I'm trying to find that out. Um, what's the new guy? The guy that came from Duke who has Ohio ties, Guerrero. How do we say? Yeah, I want to make sure I don't pronunciation. Yeah, yeah. I want to make sure that I have not. Uh, I've screwed up too so, many other names because I do because this we sort of talked about this with Paul Rose and Parker Fleming. It's like, hey, they only have Guerrero. They only have four full time assistant coaches on defense because they have Walton and Eliano in the secondary. Jim Knowles as the coordinator, linebackers coach, and Larry Johnson on the defensive line. And Parker Fleming does not have much defensive experience. He's a special teams guy. And again, if he was sort of had assistant secondary coach before, it's like, well, they have two full-time secondary guys now. I don't think they're even, I mean, Parker Fleming, I think is just a special teams coach, but they have, they have guys with 10 times the defensive experience of Parker Fleming as non-full-time coaches. So Paul Rhodes was here before. Paul Rhodes is a former head coach, longtime defensive coordinator, power five level defensive coordinator. Now Matt Guerrero was the co-defensive coordinator at Duke. And now he's coming here to be an analyst. So it's like, that's another guy in the film room. So it's not a guy in the field coaching a group, but it's like, hey, why don't you have a little more like defensive brain power? You have 13 guys on offense doing this. It's like, well, 
it's okay if Parker Fleming's not a defensive expert. He's going to coach special teams, be on the field, but we're going to have this these film guys behind him. So Jim Jim Knowles has like has three guys, and again, we all know the analyst thing. All these guys who were full position coaches come, they rehab their careers. They're an analyst for a year or two, and then they move on and go somewhere else, and they make whatever they make here, some small salary in comparison. And again, those those analysts they can't on the field coach, but they can break down film all day. So that's what they'll do. Matt, I need that film. Now I'm really curious to see what Jim Knowles actually sounds like. I also feel like Jim Knowles is the kind of guy who might find out that I'm doing an impression of me, of him and punch me. Well, he's from Philly. You're I know. almost from Philly. Like, yeah, but I'm from. Don't, don't tell Landis soft, that. No, don't tell I'm Landis from, that. I'm from soft Philly. I'm from cornfield Philly. That's fine, but you still have should have some. If you can do um, uh, uh, Stetson Bennett, I think you could probably come up with a Philadelphia accent. I could probably, yeah, I know, I, I could definitely water. That's a give me a drink of water. That's a big Philadelphia thing. I finally I mean, watched Maravilla. They're going to be series. best friends as Philly guys. Yeah, that'll be great. Philly Landis is just going to own Jim Knowles. It's going to be like every yeah. time like Jim Knowles comes into a press conference, is like Landis is going to come walk it in next to him and be like, okay, great, wonderful. Philly connection. Uh, All right, let's talk about the defensive line. What did you guys make of the idea that Al Washington, who was the linebackers coach at Ohio State, is going to Notre Dame to be the defensive line coach and run game coordinator on defense there for the Fighting Irish? Again, Al Washington was a defensive tackle as a player, and he has coached multiple positions. As I texted, it's like he coached running backs at BC, at Boston College for three years. Guys, you don't have to coach the position you play. Luke Fickle, Al's exactly like Luke Fickle. Luke Fickle was a nose guard. And then Luke Fickle's coached linebackers forever. So it's like, you know, that's happens all the time. But Al, when he was at Cincinnati, because he was at Cincinnati for a year with Marcus Freeman before he went to Michigan for a year. At Cincinnati, he was defensive line. And then he went to Michigan and was linebackers. And he came to Ohio State and was linebackers. Now he's going to Notre Dame to be the defensive line coach. And it does make you wonder... Nathan, like in an ideal world, would Al Washington have been Larry Johnson's replacement as Ohio State's defensive line coach if they could have worked out some kind of passing of the torch here that maybe in the end, and I don't know this. I mean, it's one of these things. You kind of saw some Notre Dame tweets like, oh, we're getting Al Washington at his natural you know, position, the, the, the position he coaches the best. It's like, of course, they're going to say that's fine. I don't know what Al says. What Al says, Al, coach, whatever you want, what do you pick? I don't know what he would pick. What do we think of, was that like a missed opportunity of like, it just didn't ever, it didn't work out. Maybe they tried, I don't know, but maybe like, we've talked a lot about the Larry Johnson replacement. Maybe I'll watch, maybe the guy in house the whole time and now he's gone. Maybe, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's just a few days ago that we were talking about how Al Washington's tenure here had been so um, mixed that that was yeah. probably one of the reasons why he just kind of got passed aside. And it, maybe he knew he had these other opportunities to, you know, something like this. It was obviously in the works probably before he was officially separated from Ohio state. So I, it, it's, it's a stretch for me to think that like, you know, his, the, the, the heir apparent to Larry Johnson was already here and that they would have just made a seamless transition there. Um, and especially because, um, I, I, again, just as we said last week, like, you know, 
there for every positive right now without Washington, there seems to be a drawback. So he's, I think he's in a, a really intriguing spot with a with kind of a new start happening there in Notre Dame and in going back to his roots a little bit positionally to maybe like recapture some of the momentum that he had just a year ago, as far as being someone who was respected, not just as an up and coming potential defensive coordinator, up and coming potential head coach down the line. You know, people saw that in his personality and his background and the success he was having in, in various endeavors. And this year was a stumble, but I think he can probably, he can certainly get that back. I just think it probably needed, he probably needed to leave Ohio state to get that back in some ways. It's interesting how stuff works because it wasn't like the reason Notre Dame had the opening is because Mike Elston, who had been the defensive line coach at Notre Dame for 12 years, like surprised Notre Dame and left Notre Dame to go to Michigan, which is his alma mater, because Michigan's defensive line coach, I think it was Sean Nua, left Michigan to go to USC. So USC has new coaching staff. They hire Sean Nua, Michigan, Michigan guy goes to USC, Notre Dame guy goes to Michigan, Ohio State guy winds up at Notre Dame. And then, but Ohio State's okay because basically, it, you know, they have the Oklahoma State defensive coordinator filling in there. So um, I don't know, Stephen, is this, I don't know. I mean, whatever. It's who knows? Maybe Al Washington will coach at Ohio State again someday. I mean, guys go back to programs all the time. It's amazing sometimes to me how you go through a guy's resume and he's at, like at the same place, like 11 years apart, you know, sometimes not for the same head coach, but you know, who knows Al Washington's still from Columbus. Maybe he'll be back. Maybe he'll be back some year. Maybe he'll be back as a as defensive coordinator some year, who knows, but I don't know. I just thought it was interesting that in his departure, he's going back to the position he played on defensive line. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't think that, him being like Larry Johnson's eventual replacement was ever in the cards because I mean, one, we just like, we don't know how long Larry Johnson is going to do this. This could be his last year coming up or he could do this for another four years. We just, you just don't know. And then you're just, Hey, Al, can you wait around long enough until Larry Johnson decides that he doesn't want to do this anymore? No, that's not a logical thing to ask anybody to do, but also you might just want to go really young there. Honestly, what I would do is like the moment Larry Johnson retires is I'm going to make Elijah Robertson at Texas A&M who played for Larry Johnson is, and is from Jersey. I'm going to make that guy tell me no, because have you seen Texas A&M's recruiting class? They have six defensive line recruits and four of them are top 70 recruits. Like that's the first thing I'm doing is getting that guy to tell me no, even if you know he's going to say that. And then maybe after that, you go down the list of some guys where they were maybe, you know, GAs at some point on your staff and, you know, they've gone on to have careers, guys like Randall Joyner. I just think you go young after Larry Johnson. And I think Al Washington is whenever that time would come back around, he might be ready to move on from just being a position coach. I like Steven coming up with the next name. Elijah Robinson graduated Penn State in 2008 from Camden, New Jersey, was a GA at Penn State from 2009 to 2011 then had a staffer role at Penn State, wasn't coaching. Mm -hmm. Then Temple, an assistant there for three years, then Baylor for a year, and then Texas A&M since 2018. And as uh, as you said, Stephen, Texas A&M is recruiting like crazy. Well, all right, let's do it. I mean, we're not, nobody's pushing. Larry Johnson can stay as long as he wants to stay. Yes, yeah, But, yeah, yeah. but actually, but Stephen, you're bringing it back around. You're bringing my own 
argument back around to me, which yeah. is like, well, I mean, you'll find somebody. It's like, it'll be fine. Like Larry Johnson is great. Larry Johnson is irreplaceable in some ways. But then once you say he's irreplaceable, then you know, there's 20 guys that you could find to do a good job. Maybe nobody will be as good as Larry Johnson because he's as good of a defensive line coach as we've ever seen. And he's a unbelievable recruiter, but yeah, as soon as you think like, Oh no, what if they had the guy and they lost him? It's like, Oh, Steven's got a name. It's like, okay, they're good. They'll figure it out. Okay. We'll take one more quick break and we'll wrap it up here in Buckeye talk. So we said, we talked a little about the, a uh, little bit about the defensive line. Uh, we knew Zach's back. Zach's back because the, the deadline to declare was Monday. And so the, the stuff becomes, it was also my daughter's 18th birthday on Monday, by the way. Um, Your daughter shares a birthday with a lot of famous people. It is an unbelievable birthday. Muhammad Ali, Jim Carrey, Michelle Obama. um, Who was uh, Ben Franklin? Dwayne Wade. I think Lil Wayne also. Is that right? I I might have made that one up. Maybe. I think it's a, it's a somebody. Uh, Yeah. Dwayne Wade. Yeah. It's a, it's a redonkulous, redonkulous uh, birthday day. So uh, Betty White, Betty White was supposed to be a hundred. Betty White is 82 years older than my daughter. Betty White was going to turn 100 on January 17th. Didn't quite make it. Uh, so we said we talked about the defensive line, but like we kind of, we, we know that Nathan, he's back. No, he's staying. He's staying. He's They're staying. returning. I don't, I don't have a big problem with the term returning. But he didn't leave. They're returning nobody to school. Left. Well, but you're coming back to school. You're returning to your. But they don't leave. They don't the leave team. though. It's not like they go home for the summer. This is such a they just stay a random semantic no, argument. But that's a Buckeye talk. <laughs> that's like, <laughs> what do we do better than that? We don't talk about robots anymore. We just talk about semantics. Of all the things that we're sticklers about, this is not the hill I would. Yeah, just yeah, exactly. I, oh, somebody said that to me last night. I was having a conversation. It was like there are plenty of hills to die on in life. Choose wisely which ones you want to die on. Mm. This is not one of them. I'm some of friends. I've been playing Fortnite again, which means I'm dying on a lot of hills lately. Hmm. Um, not, not by good. choice, though. That's like just happening to you. I'm terrible at it, but there you go. I, I had like a Fortnite addiction like about three years ago, and then I shook it. And then my my youngest daughter was like, "Hey, we'll play Fortnite." And I was like, oh, "I'll play it." And I was like, "Uh oh, why is Dad up till three a.m. again?" So we're gonna do the depth chart soon, Nathan. But this defensive line, as good as it is, as good as it's been, we do feel like they need to raise its level of play in 2022, but it feels like the pieces are in place for that. But it's like it's a big year for this defensive line because I do think Jim Knowles is going to bring some different looks. Maybe they'll blitz a little bit more. We'll get into that much more when we finally get to talk to Jim Knowles. But of all the things, just like we talked about it the other day, but they didn't have a ton of sacks. They didn't have a dude who broke out and was a sack monster. They just they just need to get back to that a little bit more, Nathan. And Zach Harrison helps that. Larry Johnson, Larry Johnson helps that. Jack Sawyer, JT Tumaloal being in year two helps that. But I, I think if we were going to run through of like the five things that Ohio State needs to improve to get back to the playoff in 2022, like, more getting home more often. Cause we talked about that the year before with the Ohio state defensive line, like they were close, but they didn't get home maybe as much as they need to just getting home on the defensive line is still up there 
near the top of, of things they just need to do a little more often. I really do feel I, this isn't really like good football analysis. It's just like one of those things that you sort Fuck of I talk. <laughs> but, but I think it's true. You guys can disagree with me if you want. I, I feel like there has to be a certain intimidation factor from your defensive line. I think people have to, and not that they're not teams don't fear you, but I think fans should fear what your defensive line can do to their offense. And I feel like the Ohio state offensive line had that in some very favorable matchups this past year, but there were some other games where that clearly didn't happen. And I think you need to start to see more games where that does happen in 2022. And I think it can, I think this defensive line should be better uh, take a year up. Cause I mean, even though you're losing Hassel Garrett, you're losing Tyreek Smith, you're losing some important people up front, some very like productive players, like a three man rotation of Zach Harrison and Jack Sawyer and JT Tui Malowau, where one of those guys or maybe multiple, depending on how they do it, is potentially playing a specialized pass rush position. That's a very intriguing three-person rotation to me. And then what they can do at tackle between uh, you know Tyleek Williams and Ty Hamilton and Mike Hall, it, it's going to be young. And in Teron Vincent, who uh, I think is coming back, I haven't heard to the contrary. I think that the guys who are four-year guys still have some time to make their announcement from uh, – it's. I've been trying to figure that out for sure. And I think they have until like February 4th to make that announcement. But I think this defensive line could be better in 2022 than it was in 2021. But I think you're right that getting home and getting pressure and it, it still wasn't enough. Like they would get it in these weird bunches and they would get it in some, again, games that were like favorable matchups for them. Like, I don't care if you got eight sacks against Akron. Like, I need to know how many sacks you had against Michigan. Like, those are the things that decide a season. And they've got to find a way against the very best teams on their schedule to have that, that level of intimidation. The magic tough- number. Go ahead, Doug. Steven. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I think the there's more to life than just, like, counting numbers. But in this situation, I think it matters. The magic number is eight sacks. From 2014 to 2019, they had at least one person who had eight sacks. And then in 2013, they didn't have one guy with eight sacks, but that's because they had four guys with seven. So that makes up for the fact that one and two of those guys had seven and a half. So I think that's pretty good. Whether it's Zach Harrison, whether it's Jack Sawyer or JT Tuomolowau just being ready a year early, somebody on this team needs to have eight sacks. Or even Talik Williams on the interior. Somebody needs to have eight sacks because that solves a lot of issues off rip. If you've got a guy who was consistently just living in the backfield like that. I can imagine. So like the, the Zach and Jack sack attack, I think it might work for Burger King. Just like a local thing at Burger King. That is like the meal. Shake Shack. Shake Shack. Oh, they, they just opened a Shake Shack uh, in Polaris. Yeah. It's one of these things too. There's at least two Shake Shacks. In Pol- Ooh, There's Shake one Shack. in Short North. There's one in Short North. How many? Oh, that'd be mm-hmm. good. Cause like Shake Shack, I went to a Shake Shack for the first time in New York and it's kind of new to Ohio, isn't it? Like Shake Shack's just starting a Shake Shack needs to establish roots in Ohio. There was, there was one Easton for a while, but I think that was the only one for a good time period. But yeah, now it's all over the place. So if they can, so the Shake Shack, Zach and Jack sack attack, and it's something that you get. You know, it's like a little uh, meal in a sack. You get your meal in a sack. And then like the commercial is like Zach and Jack or sack are talking about the sack attack. And then like the end of it is like they turn around and like JT's eating everything in the sack. Right. Because JT gets to be in there, too, just because his name doesn't rhyme doesn't mean he gets left out. But I think those three guys, Ohio State, call us Shake Shack. Ohio State 
36 sacks this year that tied for 34th in the nation, 2.77 a game. And Oklahoma state led the nation in sacks with 56. That's four a game. So, you know, Ohio state has, I think more dynamic dudes just generally than Oklahoma state does, but Jim Knowles dialed up a defense that got after it like that. So I, I do think this is something to talk about. I just, I can't wait to talk to Jim Knowles. I want to talk to Jim Knowles. Gosh, I hope we get to talk to him soon. I hope we get to get to talk to, talk to these uh, defensive staffers soon. I want to talk to Tim Walton. I want to talk to Perry Eliano, Justin Fry too. He's invited. So we think the rest of this week, we're going to do state of the program, which we're excited about. We're going to send that out to the texters. Now that we have the coaches and the rosters and everything pretty set, we'll do like one to 10 scale on like head coach, defensive staff, offensive staff, offensive talent, defensive talent, recruiting in general. And I think like sort of like the state of the league, unless there's anything that you guys don't like or anything we need to add, but we're going to do state of the program soon. And then we'll have two depth chart episodes. So there might be stuff. If we get to talk to people this week, we'll delay some pods. But we wanted to get to the depth chart soon, which, again, the way we do it officially on Buckeye Talk is Nathan makes the depth charts and Stephen and I criticize them. So Nathan is certainly looking forward to that. Um, But we wanted to cover this, just a little bit of news of the day, the defensive line. And uh, I think we did what we set out to do. Again, just as in it, Al Washington and Kerry Combs no longer work for Ohio State but Ohio state's going to be seeing them. Ohio state's going to be seeing them. And Steven, like there is just going to be a, it's going to be really interesting to have a rejuvenated Michigan and people, recent Ohio state coaches at Cincinnati and Notre Dame, both of those schools led by Ohio state, former Ohio state players. Like it is, it is on a little bit and a world where Penn state's new five-star quarterback is from Ohio. Like it's, it's on a little bit here in the Midwest, Steven. Is it on? It's on. Yeah. They has, I don't want to say this has been easy because that's, that's just a lazy take, but I do think he has been able to establish himself on the recruiting trail. One, cause it's Ohio state and they can do that, but also because there hasn't been much fight from other programs because they just couldn't, they couldn't keep up now that there is energy and enough programs who like not only are like in the Midwest, but like actually border Ohio. Yeah. This is going to be interesting to see Ohio state in a world where really, even in in the urban Meyer era as elite as those classes where they weren't fighting their own neighbors a lot. It's going to be interesting to see Ohio state living in a world where it now has to fight its neighbors to keep its own borders up in a way that really a lot of, we've seen a lot of other blue bloods around the country have to do over the past decade. And I will say on the uh, on the Tuesday college football survivor show that Shahan and I did, the topic was which teams in 2022, which team could be the next Georgia, which team could be the next Michigan, which next which team could be the next Cincinnati. One of the teams that I threw out for the next Michigan, which to me, which we defined as like a blue blood who kind of got their mojo back, maybe not quite to the level of contending for a national title, but like make the playoff for the first time. I threw Penn State out there and maybe that's early there. But if Aller plays at all, like if they make a transition more than Michigan did with J.J. McCarthy, but if Drew Aller plays, I know they lost a lot on defense, but they have some guys ready to go. P.J. Mustafer is back at defensive tackle for Penn State. That was a big loss when he went out last year. Their run game was a mess last year. I wonder if Nicholas Singleton, as a true freshman, can give them the kind of boost that Trevion Henderson gave Ohio State last season. Jahan Dotson is gone. 
Parker Washington, I think, is, is, a, is a real dude to ascend to the number one receiver. I'm curious. I'm not predicting for sure, but I wonder if Penn State's ready for a jump. So Michigan's made a jump. Cincinnati's made a jump. And Notre Dame is re-energized. If Penn State does it too, that is all sides. And Kentucky, Kentucky's kind of been yeah. hanging, hanging around and plucking the next, the second level Ohio kids for years now. Like Kentucky's like one of the more consistent. The SEC's a mess. If you're not Bama, the SEC is like, oh my God, we got to hire a new coach. And Kentucky's like, we're cool. We're just going to like, like eight games a year. Be good. If Kentucky was in the Big 12 instead of the SEC, I think they'd be up two tiers. Kentucky would be a better yes if Kentucky and West Virginia swapped. I think yeah. Kentucky like might be like contending to win the Big Twelve every now and then. It's like could, could Kentucky do what Baylor does? It's like yeah, I think they could. But yeah. So anyway, um, it doesn't mean that Ohio State's not Ohio State. This is a future pod. All right, write all this stuff down. But it's it doesn't mean Ohio State's ever going to stop being Ohio State. But there's a, the people around them are getting their stuff together more than they have in recent years, and that. Is it at the very least interesting? We'll see if it actually has an effect on the Buckeyes. All right. State of the program depth chart. I'd like to get a retalkables on the schedule at some point. I've got some ideas. We'll start floating that. I think I'm, I'm jonesing for retalkables. We'll get to one of those for now. Thanks to you guys for listening for Nathan Baird and Stephen Means. I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.